very first week of this series, we talked about the why and the what. We begin to ask the question, why is the vision of TWBC important to me? Why is the vision of God that he's trying to do here at this church? Why would it be important to my life? And I asked and I encouraged you, and I pray if you still don't know why, you continue to go before God with this question. Ask him, God, why is this vision important to me? And once he answers the why question, you'll begin to answer the what question. What can I do to help fulfill this vision and bring it to pass? And so as we begin to talk about the, that the very first week, we asked people to answer the why and the what. Then we went to go on to a place called talking about the true fanatic. And a fanatic is not just the average church goer. The fanatic is somebody who's heavily invested in with God-inspired enthusiasm on the inside of them to see the vision comes to pass. And then the next week, we talked about a different kind of fanatic, the fair weather fan. And we talked about those people are said, when the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come to the house of the Lord. You were glad to come, but you had no intentions of getting planted in the house of the Lord. And so we have many people who go to church on a regular basis and they're glad they get to go to church, but because they're not planted, they become a very quickly become a very fair weather fan and don't accomplish what God's called them to accomplish. And so we don't want to become a fair weather fan. We want to be planted in the things of God. And then last week we talked about which out are you? Are you the cop out, the drop out, the hold out, or are you the all out? And I believe with all my heart, we're a church full of all outs. Amen. And we're going to watch the vision of God begin to come to pass. Amen. Give God a hand clap this morning. That's good stuff. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the home run. And many of you, if you know me, I know absolutely nothing about baseball. And so I'm not going to stand up here and begin to pretend that, hey, I got all the answers to all the Rangers' problems. I do know one problem that they have is y'all were clapping for Josh Hamilton. He's not a Ranger any longer. He's an angel, amen. Spiritually, that's a good thing, but sports-wise, I'm not too happy about that. So Josh Hamilton, applaud him all you want on that video, but you better not cheer for him this year because he's not a Ranger anymore. So as we begin to talk about this, have you ever noticed nobody who ever plays today's professional sports has ever got to where they're at in this professional sport they were in without first being a fanatic of that sport. They lived it, they breathed it, they eat it, they're gone 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the road playing ball tournament after ball tournament, whether it's soccer or basketball, or whether it's football or softball or baseball, it doesn't really matter what it is. Nobody ever became a professional athlete at a sport they were not a fanatic about at one point. Now, there are people playing the game now who have lost their love for the sport, but I guarantee you there was a time in their life that they were a true fanatic of the sport and they had true enthusiasm about what they were doing. And can I tell you, if you're going to get into the field of play for the vision of God of your life, you've got to start out by being a fanatic. You've got to start out not just being glad to come to the house of the Lord, but getting planted in the house of the Lord so God can move you on to greater and mightier things. As we begin to talk about what you're called to do in being a fanatic, when you begin to answer the why question in your life, God's going to begin to make you a fanatic about what you're doing. The why question is this, God, why is this vision important to me? And some of you may not know why. Well, the word of God says this about your why question. The word of God goes on to say right here with the why, he says in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak of what he hears and he will tell you things that are to come. God is going to begin to reveal to you why this vision is important to you and what's going to take place in your personal life throughout this next year as the vision of God begins to take place in your life and your why will become very important. And once your why becomes very important, your what's going to even become more important and your 
what will begin to accomplish the why and begin to answer those needs in your life. And the why question we talked about last week, there's three types of people. It's those who watch things happen, those who ask what happened, and those who are empowered by the Spirit of God and make things happen. So once you get your why answer, you become automatically number three, empowered by the Spirit of God to make something happen for the vision of God to come into place. Now here's where the biggest issue comes in with this whole vision thing. We've got the why answered. We've got the what answered because we're planted and we're not fair weather fans, but we're truly invested with all of our heart. But here comes the biggest question. Pastor, I know my why and I know my what, but I don't know how to begin to go about doing what God's called me to do to bring this vision to come to pass. Well, everybody say this with me. I have a home run on the inside of me. Now, how do you get to become from being a fan to being the person who hits a home run? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to grab hold of a bat. You've got to grab hold of the device that is really the driving force connected to the power source that will let the ball go over the fence. See, a lot of Christians want to get up and hit a home run, but they're afraid to grab the bat. You're afraid to grab on and the how, the vision that God told you, you've gotten the what, but you're afraid to grab a hold of the vision. The problem is many Christians are saying, Pastor, I'm ready to play, I'm ready to get involved, but you're not willing to grab hold of the driving force that is connected to the power source that will hit a home run on the inside of you, amen? So the first step, if you're going to accomplish the how and get this done so you can see the what take place to answer your why question, is you're going to have to grab a hold of the vision. Amen. You're going to have to grab a hold of what God has put on the inside of you. And I love what Damon says. Yes, and he, I'll, I'll use Damon's word. Yes, young people, that's you. It's the churning on your stomach on the inside of you every time you know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because God's laid it on your heart. Some of you have heard testimony about what people have doing because they grabbed hold of the driving force that was connected to the power source that would make them hit a home run. And you're thinking, I can do something for the kingdom of God. And your stomach starts churning. And the minute you know what it is, you don't grab a hold of it because you start saying I'm not qualified you start saying pastor I have a past you start saying pastor I'm not good enough pastor I can't bake pies like Sherry Chester pastor I can't cook um chicken stew like Melissa Melissa can I can't make a brisket like Andy Crouch can I can't do it and you never grab hold of the bat which is the driving force connected to the power source that will help you hit a home run amen so if you're ever going to hit a home run you've got to grab a bat Okay, that just is, is plain and simple. You need to grab hold of it. You know, every person who's ever been a fanatic of a sport in their whole life dreams about the day where they get to grab a bat. You know, I was a soccer fan growing up, and if I, w and if I could go back, and if I had the opportunity, the skill, and the ability to play, if I ever had the chance to play in a World Cup game, I don't care what y'all think, it is the greatest sport in the world, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. Somebody give me some help out here. All right, we got some help out here. But if I was ever going to get to that point, I would have to grab a hold of a soccer ball and actually begin to play <laughs> again and run again. And the cost of playing in a World Cup game, I'm not willing to sacrifice, so I'm never going to play in a World Cup game. But here's the deal. When you are in the place that we're in and you see the vision of God and you know you want it, I'm going to encourage every member of this church, don't be afraid to step up and grab hold of the bat. Don't be afraid to grab hold of the vision. Some of you are thinking, I've got to do this all on my own, and we're going to cover that here in just a little bit. But until you grab a hold of the driving force connected to the power source, you're never going to hit a home run. Because you cannot be in a baseball game saying, I'm fixing to hit a home run, and there's no bat. See, this is the driving force that hits the ball because it's connected to a power source to make the ball go over the fence. How many of those players that you saw in the video, how many of them did not have the baseball bat? 
How many of them never grabbed the bat before they went to the plate? They, all of them had the bat, so they had to grab hold of the power source. The next thing you gotta do is you gotta step up to the plate. See, we got so many Christians, they're playing the game of church in the on-deck circle. Nobody has ever hit a home run from the on-deck circle. Now, for those of you who don't know baseball, on-deck circle is a little circle off to the side where you see people with the weights on the bat and they're warming up and they're swinging and they're watching the game and then, and then they're just sitting over here and then they're stretching and they're doing all this stuff and all that. And then some of these guys have these jacked arms because of um, hard work and dedication. <laughs> what? How dare y'all judge somebody? Because of hard work and dedication. And they're over here in the on-deck circle. They're watching. They're watching the pitcher pitch. They're seeing how he throws his curveball. How many of you know nobody ever hit a home run from the on-deck circle? You've got to step up to the plate. Can I tell you right now, Jesus is calling your name and your number asking, will you step up to the plate? He's calling you to ask if you'll step up to accomplish the how. And because you have the how on the inside of you, you have the what, now you need to accomplish the how. You cannot begin to accomplish the how till you grab the bat, which is the driving force connected to the power source that's going to enable you to hit the home run until you grab the bat and step up to the plate. The biggest challenge that most Christians face is they know what they want to do. They're just not willing to step up to the plate to do it. I want to encourage you this morning to step up to the plate, to step up to the plate and begin to watch what God's called you to do and begin to watch it come to pass in your life. And as you begin to step up to the plate, some of you are thinking, pastor, I want to step up to the plate, but I just don't know if now is my time. I think I need to study a little bit more. I think I need to research a little bit more. I think I need to, I just don't know. The timing just does, it's just not right. Well, can I tell you what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians? The Bible says now is the time of salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is. So if you keep putting off stepping up to the plate, more than likely you're never going to step up to the plate because God always operates in the now scenario to get something to come to pass. And now stepping up to the plate doesn't mean you run out and just throw up a tent and start selling lemonade. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get to this here in a minute. Stepping up to the plate, grabbing hold of the bat means you accept and say, yes, Jesus. Everybody say, yes, Jesus. I'm going to do what you've called me to do, and I'm going to walk it out to fruition. You say, yes, Jesus. You just accept the call. God will begin to work out all the rest of the details later. So now that we've actually got you on the field of play, and you're willing to step up to the base, and you're willing to do what God's called you to do, now that you're actually, what I would say, actually in the game, amen? See, we still got some people who are still in the stands. You're doing great at the fanatic part. And I am greatly excited about that because we got a lot of excitement, God-inspired enthusiasm going on. But now it's time for you to move from the role of fanatic to the role of player. Now it's time for you to move from the top balcony seat that you've been sitting up there cheering from the cheap seats, applauding everybody else for their, what they're doing. No, Jesus is calling your number to come step down on the field, grab a hold of the driving force that's connected to the power source to see a home run take place. He's not asking you to go to the on-deck circle. He's asking you to go step up to the plate. Now, when he's asking you to go step up to the plate, a lot of people, you have this fear that you're there all alone. You're never there all alone. You are not there all alone. Everybody say, I'm not alone. See, some of you think that because you're there all alone, you're afraid to step out and do it. You're not there all alone. You have a team behind you. The first thing I want to tell you is when you step up to the plate, the one thing you got to do before you go to first base, and this is the first point of the message, all that other stuff was just preview and you can just have it for free, amen? The first point of the message this morning, I'm going to call it first base this morning, is you got to figure out the bases. You have to figure out how to run the bases, 
you know, my kid's going to play baseball this year. And my greatest fear as a parent, because I am Mr. Overly Crazy Competitive Parent, is my kid's going to smack the fire out of the ball and then run the bases backwards. So I got in the backyard last night. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay, I'm going to confess my sins right quick. I tell everybody I'm not going to coach my kids because I'll lose my career. That is my biggest concern. I will lose my career by coaching my kids. And so if you ever wonder why your pastor is not coaching, it's because I know my limits. Now that I have my sin issue out of the way, maybe the message will be a little bit more anointed, amen? You've got to learn how to run the bases. When you're standing up here at home plate and you just crack the bat and it goes over the, over the outfield wall, some of y'all are thinking, well, it's naturally a home run. They naturally put a point on the board. No, the batter still has to run the bases. And listen, if the batter hits a home run and it goes over the fence and he runs to first and touches first, but as he's running to second, celebrating in all his glory, he just happens to step over the base and doesn't touch it, gets all the way around the home plate, and he does this. This is my favorite part. He walks in and goes boom and throws his helmet down, and everybody's jumping around and acting crazy. Y'all, that's awesome on a walk-off home run. I'm just saying. You want to know what the umpire is going to say? You're out. You got to learn how to run the bases. The Bible talks about this on learning how to run the bases. This is what it says in Habakkuk chapter number two, verse two. It says, write the vision down, make it plain on tablets so he who reads it may run with it. Listen, most Christians get a vision. They grab a hold of the bat. They step up to the plate. They hit a home run. But the problem is you still got to walk out the bases. You got to walk out the bases. The Bible says this. If you're going to walk out the bases, first base is this. Write the vision down. Well, some of y'all are saying, well, did Miss Sherry Chester come to you with a written down vision of how many pies she's going to bake? I said, no, but see, writing the vision down can be as simple as this. Coming to your pastor, your associate pastor, your worship pastor, your youth pastor, your children's director, and saying, hey, this is a God-inspired vision. I've grabbed hold of the driving force connected to the power source that's going to hit a home run. I've grabbed a hold of it. I've stepped up to the plate. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my vision. You want to know what we need to do as a staff? We need to write it down on the calendar. Amen. Some of y'all think, well, that's silly. Do you know how many events take place in this church on any given day? And if somebody doesn't begin to write it down, and if it's not written down correctly, it doesn't get put in the bulletin correctly. It doesn't get put in the email correctly. Nobody really knows your vision. And your vision is going to flop because you didn't run the bases right. See, when the Bible says write the vision down, it doesn't mean you got to have every detail of how you're going to do it written down in paper. It means you need to have a plan and a purpose of how you're going to walk out what God told you to do, amen? And so in your how, what are you going to do? How are you going to accomplish the what part of the scenario? The first thing I want you to do is write it down. Another reason I want you to write it down is so you can stick it in your Bible and you can pray over it because today you're excited in church and you're saying, Pastor, I got my home run on the inside of me. Here's what I'm going to do. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, what did I do? See, but when you write it down and you commit it before the Lord and you commit it out there so you can read it every day and pastors and, and your teachers and your, and your surrounding close circle of sphere of influence that stands with you and agrees with you on things can pray for it every day. It starts becoming a reality because you start running the bases correctly. So once you get to first base, your first base is this. I need to write it down. I need to make it plain so that I actually know what I'm talking about. I tell people this all the time. Until you can write it down, you don't need to attempt to do it. People come to me, Pastor, I got a message that I want to preach. Write it out. Because until you write it out, you really don't know what you're going to say when you get up here. I literally go over my message at least 15 times, preach it fully all the way through 15 times before I ever preach it to you the first time. I know what I'm going to say when I get up here. Now, sometimes I got to confess my sins. And yes, the Spirit will lead to say some certain things different. But I know what's written down because I know the vision that God is trying to get across to the people he's working for and to 
to fulfill every part and every desire of your heart. So when you begin to write it down and make it plain, it's not making it plain so God understands it. It's making it plain so you can understand it and you can accomplish it and you can begin to do it. Everybody say second base. Hear me on this. Second base is this. Do not miss a base. Second base is do not miss a base. Listen to this phrase. Develop a plan and count the cost. I'm going to read you this scripture, Luke 14, 28. For which one of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and he is not able to finish, all who sees it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. See, many Christians, it's where they mess up. They write down what they want to do. They write down the vision, but we fail to begin to count the cost. We fail to begin to count the cost, what the price we're going to pay to get there, to accomplish it. And I want to challenge you to begin to count the cost. Because when you begin to count the cost, listen, this is what happens. When you begin to count the cost and realize how much it's going to cost you, it's no longer a vision, it's a sacrifice. See, church doesn't like the word sacrifice. (laughs) Sacrifice means to do something to the point where it causes a lifestyle change. A lot of people don't give a sacrificial offering. They give an offering because they don't give until it causes, causes them to have a lifestyle change. They give until they can't give no more. So we're not having a lifestyle change, but I'll give you an offering. When you begin to count the cost, it becomes a sacrifice. David said this, I will not give God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. I will not give God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. See, I want to encourage you, do not miss a base. When you begin to run the bases, if you miss the base of counting the cost, you're going to get halfway into the vision and you're going to realize, Pastor, it's too much for me. Pastor, it's too much for me. This is where I challenge you to rely on the coaches who are in your life. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, why do you need base coaches when they hit a home run? Well, listen, you're thinking of the long ball. You're thinking of going yard. There's something else called the inside the park home run. There's something else that happens when you hit a ball just right and you can run all four bases and come and all the way around and come to home plate without getting called out. Your base coaches are the most important people on the field because your first base coach is doing this. And y'all ever seen how crazy some of them people look? And then you get, get over there to the third base coach because he the second when he's rounding second base, he's looking to the third base coach, and the third base coach is going like this. He's got both arms. <laughs> And you would think he's doing the running, but the runner's going, and he gets to second base, and he's looking at third base. The third base coach is not saying this. He's saying, come on. And then he gets to third base, and the third base coach is looking around. He's saying, come on. See, a lot of people, because you don't rely on the people God's placed in your life, you get halfway through, and you get around second base, but you get called out. You get called out because the price is too much. The cost is too high. If you count the cost before you ever begin, you'll be able to finish the project that you want to start. How many of y'all have ever been undertaking a project that you got halfway in and said, I think this is a little too much for me? Okay, now all the rest of y'all who are lying right now, lift your hands. Amen. <laughs> because we've all been there and we count the cost. The problem is when you're counting the cost, and I'll use my example of building a playset for your children in the backyard that has 25,000 million jillion pieces, and you get halfway in and you realize it's a little bit more than you were bargaining for. It's one thing when it's souls on the line and you not counting the cost causes people not to be in heaven one day when you're there. It adds a whole different dimension to the seriousness of counting the cost. The thing you need to be encouraged about, if God told you to grab the bat and step up to the plate, don't let counting the cost stop you from fulfilling the vision. Well, let counting the cost do this. Cody, can I use you as an example? Let counting the cost do this. If Cody has a project that God's laid on his heart to do, Cody says, I'm going to do this project. 
But God says, Cody, I don't necessarily want you just alone to do this project. I want somebody else to be involved with this project with you. I want somebody else to help you out in this project. Cody's just thinking in his head, this is the project. This is my vision. I'm stepping up to the plate. I'm grabbing the bat. I'm fixing to hit a home run. I'm going to help God fulfill the vision. God may be saying, you're going to hit a home run, but hey, I need you to have some people involved in this. And so Cody gets in the middle of counting the cost of the project that he's doing and says, this is too much for me. And so he comes to me and says, Pastor, this is a little more than I bargained for. I, don't, I know I'm called to do this. I've grabbed a hold of the bat. I've stepped up to the plate. I, I hit first base. I wrote it down. I'm in second base. I'm counting the cost. But I realize it's too much. And I go to Cody and I say, it's funny you bring this project and you're telling me about it because somebody else in the church had the exact same idea with the exact same project. They just needed somebody to help them along the way too. Do you understand how God begins to work together? See, I know there's some ladies in this church who have all came to me with the same ideas, and there's four of them, and they all said, hey, we need to have a garage sale. And I was like, it's funny you say that because when we have 500, over 500 members in this church who start donating to garage sale, I promise you one person cannot handle the cost of the garage sale and everything that's going to be facilitated and needed to see that take place. Can I get an amen? And so God may be challenging you to do something, but in challenging you to do it, he's going to bring people alongside you such as base coaches to help you not just count the cost but help you overcome the cost get to third base and go to home plate and score the home run amen and so when you begin to count the cost this is the how you're going to accomplish the what God's called you to do and watch him do great and mighty things so everybody say third base this is the favorite one of mine the least favorite one of y'all's plan to work and then work the plan mm-hmm one of the great theologians of our day said, somebody asked, what is faith? And he turned around and said, how do you spell faith? And the guy said, well, F-A-I-T-H. And he said, no, it's called W-O-R-K. Faith requires work. Counting the cost requires work. See, we have a lot of people who come to us and say, Pastor, I got this great vision. I got this great idea. I got it written down. I've counted the cost. I know what it's going to take. Here you go. You do it. You have no idea how many projects get started but end up falling on the laps of the staff members of the church. So we don't look like we have egg on our face all the time of projects that get started but never get completed because people don't plan to work and they don't work the plan. See, we talked about base two was don't miss a base. Base one was writing it down. Writing it down is your plan. Base number two is counting the cost. Base number three is work the plan and plan to work. What if those people, Miss Sherry Chester, who is baking pies, said, Pastor, I got this great idea. Here's first base, here's second base, but I don't know who's going to bake all these things. Man, it, I, I grabbed the bat, I stepped a hold, I got up to the plate, I hit the home run. It was a great idea, Pastor. Why didn't you see it fulfilled? No, you got to plan to work and work the plan, amen? You got to see what God's calling you to do. And when you plan to work and you work the plan, God's going to be begin to develop a great character on the inside of you. And when I say work the plan, I want to read to you a verse out of the book of Joshua, and this is what it says. Joshua 1, 7, it says, and this is talking about the words that he was given for Moses. It says, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be prosperous wherever you go. See, the problem that we run into a lot of times when we get to the part where we got a plan to work and then work the plan, we get to this part here, we get to about third base, and we want to take a detour. We want to take a detour, and we either run back into the outfield and get out of the baseline, and you know what happens then? You're called out. Or we want to turn around and run back because we didn't properly count the cost, and you want to know what happens? You get tagged out. When you plan to work and work the plan, God's going to honor it. God's going to bless it. God's going to accomplish great and mighty things through it. 
And so when you begin to plan to work and work the plan that God's given you, watch how God can begin to bless every area of your life. Listen, home plate. Let's cross home plate together. More importantly than that, let God bring you across home plate. The Bible says this in Zechariah. It says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If we're going to see TWBC shine brighter, shine farther than we ever have before, we can say, God, we've done all this thing by our own power and your might, but God says it was supposed to be by my spirit, says the Lord. There's going to be days in the vision when you start getting to a point when you're going there, you got first base, you got second base, you're on your way to third base, and you've crossed it, you're headed home, and you're running out of juice. You're running flat out out of juice. Have you ever seen the ball players who can smack a home run, but it just falls shy and it hits the top of the fence and it comes back onto the field. Now they got to run because you were hoping for it to be an out-of-the-park home run. It ended up being an inside-the-park home run. And you get her past third base. You want to know what a lot of them are doing? Their legs are burning. They feel like jello. And you can see it because when they get tired, they start leaning forward and they start stumbling. This is where you need to let the Spirit of God carry you the rest of the way. There's a lot of things God calls us to do in the natural in the writing it down, in the counting the cost, in the plan to work and work the plan. But there comes a time throughout the whole vision where you gotta let the spirit of God carry you across home plate. You gotta let the spirit of God begin to move in your life and energize you. And you wanna know what happens when the player gets around third base and they start stumbling. The crowd starts rising, the fans start screaming, the team starts jumping and shouting. They're not just in the dugout, they're out on the field cheering him on, waving him to come home. And the spirit of the stadium and the, uh, and the enthusiasm enthusiasm begins to drive him and he begins to run harder and faster than he ever has before well the spirit of God I promise you is the biggest cheerleader you're ever going to have and when you get tired when you get ready to quit when you get ready to stop God's going to say not by power not by might but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts and you're going to begin to press on you're going to begin to go on and I promise you you're going to end up crossing home plate to a resounding applause, not necessarily from man, but from all the hosts of heaven. And when you cross home plate, get ready. God's gonna fulfill a vision through you. And when we begin to cross home plate together, at the end of this year, when shine brighter, shine farther has been accomplished, because we are accomplishing shine brighter, shine farther, get ready for the greatest applause you've ever heard. When we begin to burn the note that this church has paid off, when we look out there and cars aren't parked in the mud, but they're parked on a beautifully paved parking lot, when we have people who have been born again, amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. 